Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Christina Shea Martin, and she published a book in August 25th, 2021. Title of the book is From Gim J to Red Oak, A Woman's Journey Through Changing Times. Fascinating book. I learned a lot through the book. I wasn't familiar with some of the old, older Korean traditions and some of the history that happened in Korea uh, earlier on in the 20th century. But she can talk more about that. So Christina Shay Martin, are you there? Right. Hello, everybody. Yes. Uh, actually, Kimje is where my parents were born and raised. And I, I grew up most of my uh, childhood there. And then Red Oak is where my husband grew up. So that's gotcha. how the title came along. Okay. So um, this is uh, a book that I promised my children. They wanted to know where I came from, where their roots were from. So I, um, after I retire, I sort of start taking notes here and there and sort of, and, and actually wrote in Korea. Korean originally, right? Yeah, they originally you know, wrote in Korea because there was this uh, lady, um, instructor in Korean Community Center who was instructing how to write a healing uh, autobiography. She said healing because she was a counselor, family counselor. Anyway, so I thought, and she's a poet and she is actually a minister too after she retired from her regular job. So I thought that was a good place to start. And I've been, I had gone to her classes and then she gave homework to write about this and write about that. Every week I had to do that for eight months. And then we put them all together and, and made a book, you know, a Korean version. Of course, my, none of my children could read it. So then uh, when the shutdown came in 2020, um, I started to uh, translate and subject to some part and add some more cultural aspects of it so that my children and the American readers can understand what I'm talking about. So that's is how my book came about. And it, I mean, it goes back really to your earliest childhood and definitely right. some cultural differences. Can you talk about your earliest memories and what you imparted? And this is really kind of your memoir. Uh, right. Can you talk about kind of the earliest Memories you have of your family? Actually, the memories, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, in the book, it goes back where I started, you know, my, when I was born. But uh, my earliest memory is when I went to my maternal grandparents' house. Probably I was around three, uh, maybe younger than three, and then. And there's a cousin living next door who was younger than me, and she and I sort of grew up together in, everywhere in the yard, in in, in the garden, and uh, then she always showed up with her treats that her father brought uh, previous. You know, this this cousin had no mother; her mother passed away. And that's Asia, Asia. Yes, yes, that's that's all. You good? Uh, I took my note. I took notes. Oh, I I see. Okay, she was my had been my best buddy all all through my life actually. 
And what was the time like in Korea at that time where you had Asia and you? Uh, it was really quite different from these days. Uh, as it was still continuation of the old traditional farming um, country, <laughs> countryside, okay, and where we, we are from. And um, it's sort of like uh, there were, you know, the landowners, landlords are usually very learned in Chinese classics. And that, that sort of came down traditionally from their ancestors, you know, because their ancestors got their land from the government by passing very hard examination of Chinese classics. And so that's how they got their land and, and that, that's the, the money and power there. And then, I mean, they had, then there's the whole class of people who just, you know, working class who worked the land. And uh, I think they were pretty, uh, it depend. I guess, depend on the, the land or the type of personality or character of the landowners. But as far as I remember where I grew up, and it was very peaceful coexistence. They came work for, you know, this big landowner and then they were being taken care of in return. And so that was that way there. And then when I got to Seoul, the capital city, everything was so different. I remember the first memory of me, I think it, it is when the, the Republic of Korea was founded. You know, we went to see this huge parade. I, I, I guess I wasn't quite aware of what went on but it was, you know, parade and soldiers and, and all kinds of uh, fun things like uh, clowns and, you know, and I, I think that was the celebration of foundation of Republic of Korea. I would be about five years old. That's 1945, right after the liberation, after the Japanese, right? Yeah. That's uh, 1948, I guess. The found, okay. foundation itself. Uh, 1945 is when we got liberated from Japan. At, I think that's the end of World War II, right? Uh, Correct. All yeah. the war ended in 1945. And then, in, uh, then we had this period of uh, American military, I don't know what you call it, uh, a government. Kind of like yeah, they, they were there to I mean, then in the in the south and the north was occupied by the Russian government, Russian soldiers, and sort of divided immediately after the war into north and south. And so we were with the American government or the government delegates or the soldiers who made it sure that uh, the Japanese got out and the North Korea don't invade. Or and you know, waiting for the southern uh, people, south people in the south, to make their own government, and and that they 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 had some turmoil, political turmoil. But uh, in 1948, Sung Man Bi was the first president elected, and that was the founding president. So that that was the celebration I remember. 
Right. So you were kind of growing up in kind of a poor environment too. Like your family, I think you said that only three of the children out of seven, which is very, uh, survived to maturity. Right. Like that's very unusual for us. That that's very, I guess that was rather common because that was during the Japanese occupation. Uh, I was born about two years before the liberation. So the people, the, the children who died, well, I have my younger sister died in my presence, but um, the, the older ones died during the Japanese occupation and in a remote country village where there, you know, you have to walk an hour to doctor's office or there the doctors want that you know plenty <laughs> there, there around the mainly chinese medicine i guess uh so my my grandfather used to keep the chest whole bunch of little herbs you know little drawers with with chinese herbs uh to conquer uh, medicine for people who were sick my he was not commercially medicine man or anything, but he, he just studied that. So I remember that. So I guess any ailment happened in the house, I guess he did that. He tried to concoct something to make them feel better. But this little infants, you know, my siblings who died, they're mostly during their infancy and they just didn't know how to handle it. And I mean, they couldn't run to pediatrician at, at those days. So I think that's what happened. I, I know it's, I just, I sometimes, you know, trying to figure out how, imagine how my mother must have felt after this losing each child. So, but that was, that was. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and so your parents were in arranged marriage too. So that was something that might've been expected for you, correct? Yeah, uh, well, because I was very skinny <laughs> and uh, small and been not very healthy looking. So, but um, hey, after all, I was a, another girl. <laughs> I don't think they really thought that. But uh, did I, I mean? It's also I'm it's kind of like survive. the right. There was like a bias towards ma uh, male children too at that time, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. See, um. My older brother, it was the first male male child born to the whole clan there. Uh, I mean, although he's we he was not the son of the first first son, you know, grandfather's first son is the one who sort of would be the future patriarch of the clan. But my brother was this only the son of second son, but nevertheless he was very welcome uh but then he got ill had an accident he got ill and so everybody was so distraught and, and you know, my mother was having another child they were all expecting a girl i mean a boy <laughs> and they they came up yeah so you eventually so you yes you <clears throat> you were in uh gimje and eventually your family moved to seoul correct Correct. And so your family uh, was in. Went, you know. Yeah, well, I we stayed. Well, my father sort of went up to Seoul first and then came 
for me later uh, when I became school age. So I moved up to Seoul with my father, uh, to my father. Okay. And gotcha. Studied in my school, yes. I had so one you, year of yeah. good school. Yes. Yeah, I started in my school the year before the Korean War started. See, I was second grade when the Korean War broke out. And what happened then? Then we just moved. I mean, we had to, with a, a lot of people, you know, sort of they, we followed their suit and just when we walked and I don't remember how many nights that was because I don't think I was thinking about that or nobody else thought about how many nights. But uh, we walked all the way from Seoul to Kimje. That's, uh, I know, I that's several nights I, we spent on the road, um, some empty house or somebody's small house, small room and on the way. And, and on the road to Kimje, we got farmed, well, not direct, maybe one aimed at us, but indirectly, you know, in the bombing site and saw the bombed towns as we passed through and things like that happened, yeah. And then we finally got to uh, Kimje and then there's my father's side and then there's my mother's side. Um, my, you know, they had other relatives all came back to 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 the country home because being in any city was very dangerous they they got bombed a lot all these big cities or towns so everybody went to this country homestead anyway and we went over to my maternal grandparents house and i lived there for several years i guess until we came back up again to, to seoul and there, so at that time, there was uh, lots of tension between communist, socialist ideas and capitalism, correct? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, can, can you talk about that? Well, I remember during the occupation of northern soldiers in this country, down in Kimje, in, in, in the southern province, you couldn't go anywhere. I, I guess it was same everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without their permit to go anywhere. And then uh, I, I remember when, I think during the summer months, uh, some, some young, well, I guess they were younger than my grandparents, but uh, they came around and they were the committee members of the people's Republic, I guess. And they came around and counted how many sesame seeds, you know, sesame pod or peas in a pod. And I think they were, they were trying to estimate what the crops would like so that they could tax them or whatever they, they call it. So they, they, we went, we watched that. And, uh, and then of course, uh, there was, uh, I don't want to, tell all of it but my my father was before the liberation before the uh, Japanese uh, occupation was over he was in a movement uh, trying to get gain independence 
and they, they were sort of linked to socialism, socialists uh, movement also. So he was uh, he was jailed in 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 Chonju, that's uh, the the capital of the province, and well, he 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 got somehow he got out well because he really didn't actively being a socialist. He got jailed after the liberation was over and after, uh, I guess, the, the oh, I think it was during the, the American of the US, uh, what do you call it? They had a, a temporary government. They, they told all the, uh, the South Koreans that you can't have a, any activity relating to socialism or communism in the South, okay? And then right. that's how, well, he wasn't really having any visible activities, but he was just part of the independence movement, but um, he got jailed that way. But then he had a good reference and got out. Got out. And you kind of, at that time, kind of as the, during the Korean War and even after you started kind of being exposed through academics to uh, oh, kind of Western ideas, Jesuits, things. Can you talk about your academic career in Korea? Uh, yes, I, so after we got up to Seoul, uh, that's, I guess, in 1954 or five, around that time I started my middle school and I got in very prestigious middle school, um, and I didn't realize how prestigious that was until I got in, <laughs> because I saw a lot of uh, daughters of renowned people, socially, economically, politically, very renowned people. Uh, sent their daughters there. So I, and then we were educated. We had very good, um, I'm sorry, somebody's okay. calling. We have so many calls these days. And you were kind of unusual, like women at that time, women weren't as commonly educated. Would you agree with that? Yes. I, in those days, I say the teachers were the best treated women working, okay, women teachers. They could continue to teach after they got married, but uh, unless you are maybe, it, which is rare, you are the owner of some business or something which is not very common at that time, uh, but generally people would my educational background, if you, you get into a company, after you get married, they expect you to quit. They don't want married women working for them. I think it's the social structure was that way. As, as I said, I, uh, I think in my forward, I said, you know, when I worked for a pharmaceutical company as a foreign purchase clerk, I think, you know, I had to go get cigarette from the con concession and give, bring them coffee or 
and then on top of all my other duties work you know but i really didn't think twice about it at that time because this it was, was all that was very traditional at that time though right right women serve men that way so so that that that's how and and korea kind of had that korea yeah. kind of had that tradition of like a courtesan females and uh almost like a geisha or something like that oh right that is that. different uh, different uh, story i mean that's a different class of people i guess but uh, uh generally that was yeah that was sort of not it, it's just unimaginable in this day day and age yeah, what, uh, we, but then you know that's history that's those that's a tradition of a historical social background you know so right. you know it, everybody was on the same level that way whoever you and are. so you right so kind of you were different your mom was very much in that kind of traditional economy because she made those handbok dresses for the women right the the kind of specialized Korean right. dress. Yeah. Yes, yes, that was actually probably, you know, I was sort of ashamed of my mother's profession because uh, they look down on people who, who does, you know, that kind of work. Even though traditionally uh, poor scholars' wives made this, you know, made dress for other people, that was the only only respectable, uh, safe, secure work that women could do. Uh, if your husband is incapable of uh, support you, so the wives, the poor scholar's wife, I know that those stories, but but nevertheless, uh, you know, making, you know, he she worked really hard uh, to do that. Um, not sleeping much, you know, but I I really didn't tell anybody that my mother was ma making handbook for kissings. So so uh, that that was the society I lived in, you know. So, right. So you were kind of from, right. You weren't from the some of the when you were at school, you may not have been from that same higher class uh, right. upper right. class of society, maybe. But you did. I mean, it sounds like you bounced around. Like you went to Catholic school, Bible school, Methodist church. So you were exposed. Or did you think yeah, that exposure was unique exposed. for that time? No, it wasn't really. There were a lot of uh, Protestant churches around, and uh, I wasn't exposed to Catholic church until I was in high school. But until that time, you know, even in the country, you know, when I went to my grandmother's house uh, during winter vacation at early age. We used to go walk in cold weather, walk to church in some Methodist church or somewhere, you know, and because they have this Christmas pageants, you know, they, that's, they call it show. So they all, you know, the village kids who never go to church went for the show. Anyway, so that kind of, experience I had and then of course I did go to Bible school when I was in Seoul with friend and then uh, and at that time I think my family 
really is basically either uh, Buddhists or uh, Confucian. I don't know. I, I, I guess Confucius is not really a religion, but then we it's like a philosophy. Really it's like they're a philosopher, right? Confucianism. Right, but then uh, all, all the 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 ancestral uh, ancestral memory memorial service or anything that all followed Confucianism, I think. And um, I, I don't know. They, they anything went at that time, you know. So genre, things were really changing. Yeah. Did you sense that I mean, things were really changing there? Things were changing at that time of your life in, in Korea? Oh yes. oh, yes. I mean, I think I say somewhere in my book that, you know, my mother and I were born in different generation, different age. We just didn't have much in common in culture. <laughs> Because it was such a changing, and uh, of course, my mother stayed home and made dress and uh, didn't have any chance to see the changing world very much. But then I was at school learning Western culture, Western language, and I mean, it's just so different, you know, it was changing so fast, yes. It really is remarkable, like just one generation, just incredible changes. Like when I see your stories of your family, it's like you're going back in time, like seeing a Korean family that could have lived in the 19th century. It just seemed those sensibilities, right. arranged marriages. Yes. Yeah. And so what, oh, I mean, what? Course, there are more. Go ahead. Yes. No, please continue. Well, I was, was, there, there are still arranged marriages these days, I you know, like a, if you from big money, you sort of, I don't know, I see, I guess maybe that's in Korean dramas, but you merge families, wealth, right, through arranged marriage. But that still goes on, but uh, most cases these days, you find your own spouse, I think, and there are a lot of Korean unmarried aging people, <laughs> let's put it that way. Interesting. And and uh, also some people find it more convenient to live alone. <laughs> I don't want to go in there. <laughs> right. But I mean, it was, like in the old, in your book, you talk about the women when they're married, they're expected to go live with their in-laws. Like they're gone. They're, it's not like some other, like maybe today you go in and get an apartment or house. That was that way, uh, maybe up to. 19, and then you, sixties or nineteen fifties. It was that way, you know. It's like uh, you once married that family. You're you're their ghost when you die. <laughs> so, so, so that can that kind of situation they were on. But that's more in the country, you know, this rural society, than in Seoul, I guess. Right. So in the big cities a little different. They change fast. Yeah. And so you um kind of came up like you seem to have a connection to the American professors. At some point you wanted to leave Korea for your education, is that correct? That's true, yes. Can you explain kind of how that background and how that how that came about? You know, I was uh I graduated from college and was working in a pharmaceutical. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. Um, 
and of course, when you reach certain age, all your extended family wants to work. They want to uh, match me up with somebody before I get too old. The older I get, the more difficult it will be for me to get married. They were worried, and I was in that situation, so I don't need that. And and also, I uh, was pretty close to uh, one of the Jesuit fathers who was running the university, and he's, I guess, arranged um, me to get a full tuition scholarship. In um, I think in Minnesota, and that's how I I came. Right. How old were you? How old were you when you? Right. How old were you when you flew to the U.S.? Uh, that was 1967. So I was 24, I guess. Yeah. And what was what was it like coming from the United coming from Korea to the United States? Oh, that was very scary. But then I was full of anticipation and you know expectation and and I you know people say you are so brave to do that <laughs> at that age you know it's not like my family had plenty of money and going to support me or anything but I I just did that uh, I guess it took a lot of courage to do that but then that was sort of you know, courage is sort of like a luxury for me. <laughs> you know, I had to do what I have to do for my life. You know, I, for, you know, with all, of, um, let's say, all things going on, you know, my family life and, you know, our hardship and uh, economic status and all that, I never thought about my future won't be like that you know i'll i'll have a better tomorrow i always had that conviction in my heart and i never really swayed from that and says i need to get out of this and go there and see what i can do with my life that's how i felt when i came and and so what were your impressions or how did you adapt to this totally foreign country or culture uh, I thought everything, well, you know, back then people didn't even lock their house. <laughs> you know, when I first came, it was very quiet and very peaceful. And, uh, of course that was something I sort of had difficulty adapting to, you know, I was in St. Paul, Minnesota. And when I look outside, there's nobody on the street. <laughs> It made me feel so isolated, and uh, because I, you know, lived in big city, Seoul, and, and but then the lifestyle and everything. Gosh, women have it so good in this country. That's how I felt. The, I, I think I told my uh, host family that actually, you, you know, God, I feel so bad for my mother. All the hardships she had to go through, looking at how good you have. That's what I told, I don't know, maybe some ladies won't like what I say, but that's how, what I said to the host lady, <laughs> you know, you know the, the, I mean, living condition and, and economic freedom, not to worry about what your next meal will come from. 
you have so much right, I thought, you know, women have so much right in this country. That's, that was 1967, 70 or eight. Great. And uh, looking at, I, I thought it was such a free country, free and uh, it's very, easy for women to live and did you you were kind of unusual in uh korea for a woman at that time getting a didn't you get a, a bachelor's and then a master's is that right uh i had bachelor's degree in korea and then i had ma masters in this country gotcha. that well yeah that, when after i got Gotcha, and you got a master's here, and then you, uh, I mean, you you met your you kind of uh, people wanted to arrange you with, uh, or you were you expected to marry another person from Korea? Well, in Korea, I really didn't want want to get married back then. Yeah, I said I'm, you know, I I think I was. I said I'm still twenty three or twenty four. I have time. I don't need to rush into any marriage. <laughs> That's right. how I felt. Yeah. And um, I didn't like the arrangement they made for me either. So I said, you know, I'm going to wait until, you know, I meet somebody who loves me for what I am, not because what, where I'm from and what my family background is and all that, you know, because, because that's, that's what they first ask when, when they're trying to match up somebody, you know, what, what does your father do? You know, you know, what kind of life you have and where did you go to school to? And all these questions. I mean, I guess those things are important for people who's making arrangement, but um, to match up sort of compatible people together. But I said, I don't need that. And then, and then I got here. And then I have a cousin who came to, you know, I went to UNC to get my master's, but then another cousin came to UNC because he knew I was there. And, but I wasn't there. We lived in Puerto Rico when he came and he said, when he first got there, he said, I had some nerve or some, some gut to be able to come all the way here all by myself, sort of empty-handed <laughs> and landed in UNC. So he, he told me that. So I guess, um, but I was, I, you know, I, I never let my spirit down all through this. And I was, I became Catholic when I was in high school. And I always had, if, even if I sort of lacks going to church every Sunday because of certain circumstances, I never left in my heart uh, from the church. So uh, I guess that, that gave me uh, strength to always look for better tomorrow and it'll be all right tomorrow. You know, if I have some problem today, it'll get better tomorrow sort of attitude I had. Right, well, you've come a long way. I mean, come all the way from South Korea before the Korean War to the present. There's a lot more in this book. Uh, we're about 35 minutes. What else would you like to wrap up with before we end the interview? Well, that um, in 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 what area would you like? To well, I'm just saying, like, 
where's the best place for people to get from Gimje to Red Oak? Oh, the book. Well, I guess you, you can go into Amazon. Uh, I, I, you know, I actually self published this, so it, um, it's in Amazon. You can get either a Kindle version or this book. It's very easy to get it. And do you have a website uh, or social media if people want to reach out and talk to you? No, I don't. I guess, I well, I don't know if it's my generation. You know, I am close to 80s. <laughs> I'm not 80 yet, but to, uh, I guess, the people at my age have a lot of uh, uh, connections through websites, but uh, website or social media or everything. I don't have any of those. I think I'm busy enough for what I have. Right. right you don't need any more of that. <laughs> well, there's a lot more to the story. You get married, you go to Puerto Rico, you're in San Juan, come back to DC, children, grandchildren. So you're probably pretty busy. Um, but a really fascinating book. And thanks so much for sharing your uh, autobiography with me. Again, the title of the book is From Gimje to Red Oak. A Woman's Journey Through Changing Times by Christina Shea Martin. And it just got published August 25th, 2021. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me All right. here. All right, take care. Have a good one. All right, stay there. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Oh. <laughs>